sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you Shots. like. What a stop! Shots for Ben! Oh! Oh! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been, we're, be, we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... Say something. We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions. Um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up. When we finally turn it over You're very welcome along to the Friday Football Podcast A slightly diminished team from last weekend We've lost a McIntyre But uh, there's a Barry, there's a Gilroy How are you? And there is a Murphy Alright Adrian um, Thanks for using my first name That was very uh, Well more, more respectful Polite of you Yeah, yeah. We're not you big know, on respect around here He's a decent human being How, How are you Jerry? You don't sound as croaky as I'd kind of expected you to be at this oh, you know, after last night Man as a professional I don't feel the need to indulge in uh, Binge drinking just to celebrate. As I was leaving at whatever time it was, I saw you with a dirty big pint in your hand. Postman doesn't celebrate delivering the letters, Adrian. <laughs> well, he didn't need the uh, he didn't need to go binge drink. He also didn't need to go off home, uh, you know, before the show had even finished, pretty much. Unlike and stay around and support his colleagues. Oh, did you leave before the show no, finished? I did not. No. Did you? No, I was I was stage side. I was there watching. Uh, All right, sculpt off. Watching after that. and learning. Yeah, I was I was there in a watching brief. Um, it was kind of. Interesting to see, you know, obviously like we, Ronnie Whelan, Whelan, Ronnie Whelan, and uh, like Robbie Fowler, Jason McIntyre would gather at the side of the stage when all this other stuff was going on. If anybody is unaware of what we're talking about, we were at Vicar Street last night for an off the ball road show. Well pointed out, sure. There was um, about a thousand people there, as the names you've mentioned, Dietmar Hamann also, mm. a Liverpool special before everybody. Because we planned it months ago to do a Liverpool special. We will do a Manchester United special. We may do an Arsenal special. I'm not sure we'll ever get a Chelsea special out of it. What about a West Ham special? Yeah, we could find out what the West Ham way is. Where do you stop with this? Yeah, what is the West Ham way? The West Ham, that might be the bubble. That might be the line. Let's get right out and over for that. Um, But yeah, so just to see how these guys kind of interact. It's the one thing that we never really as sports people ever get to see these guys in their sort of natural habitat because, you know, they go onto stage and so they become this performer. Yeah, Um, or they're at a paid gig. Yeah, well, which obviously they were last night, but when they're in their own company, they become who I guess they probably truly are in many ways. Yeah, although, Um, I mean, I'm sure they're pretty conscious of the fact that if they do anything too outrageous there's a never a, a smartphone with a camera too far away yeah, Dave um, McIntyre was poised with his camera the entire <laughs> the whole way time. through side stage just in case he saw, got something good Robbie was making sure that he wasn't going to get caught on camera he was sort of peeking out the side of the curtain just oh, yeah. to make sure that nobody was going to spot him I did get a good uh, picture of Robbie's arse crack at one point there was uh, a lot of arse crack going on there was yeah he, he at the front of the stage just a thousand people came up to swamp him in the ad break and it was like the bouncer had to come in and say Argh. Joe had to go hello everybody hello <laughs> everybody everybody hello hello and then he kind of got Donnie to drag Robbie Fowler away from he reminded ball. me of the Bull McCabe in the field was really fighting a losing battle with that one but uh, Robbie's arse crack might be partly to do with the fact that uh, he at one point whipped a massive big bar of chocolate out of his pocket. The biggest bar of chocolate. It was, was that, huge. It that was, was duty free. That yeah. was definitely duty free. And he was, so yeah. It's the un- type of carvage bar you only get duty free. Starts to unwrap it really neatly, like goes about it like sort of a five-year-old child who's just been given their sort of weekly reward and this is a very important thing and starts to unpeel the bar of chocolate and breaks it off in a very sort of neat little chunk and then, because he's doing this away on his own, by the way. This is not, this, this bar of chocolate is, is not for sharing with people. Yeah. yeah. Eventually, this is Robbie Fowler's bar of chocolate. Once he was sated, People did get some chocolate. <laughs> they did, and he said. Did so you get he, some so chocolate, Adrian? I didn't get chocolate. The other Liverpool players got chocolate, and maybe perhaps Jerry got some chocolate. I don't know. Oh well, it was left on my desk um, on stage, which I kind of looked and went, 
we're not a very professional organization here. <laughs> if this was a TV show, somebody, the runner would be getting fired around about an hour for leaving the... Uh, and I was like, hmm, no, I'm not going to have any. I'm on a diet. Then he goes, Vitch, Vitch, come over here. Do you want some chocolate? I'd never heard this Vitch stuff before. He said to Ronnie Whelan, have you ever heard the Vitch stuff before? No. Nathan, I've heard the Vitch stuff. I'd never heard that until last night. The Vitch stuff, I've never, this is Ronnie Whelan's nickname. V-I-T-C-H. Yeah. It's Ronnie Whelan's nickname, apparently, from uh, back in the day at Liverpool, where he used to interact with players, and they'd say, oh, come on, Ronnie, we're, you know, we're going off for a beer, we're going off for whatever we're doing, and he'd say, oh, just wait, just a minute, just a minute, just a minute, and every time they'd say something to him, he'd say, just a minute, and so Phil Neal and all these guys thought he was saying, just a minute. So they got into some conversation when they were on an away trip in Eastern Europe somewhere, and they said, oh, what if he was German? What would his name be? And they'd say, oh, it'd be Dustman. And then they'd say, oh, what if he was from Russia? What would his name be? Uh, Dostoevsky. And what if he was from Czech Republic? What would his name be? It'd be Dostovich. And so they just started calling him Vich. Wow. Isn't that it insane? It is the most convoluted nickname. We need to start coming up with nicknames for each other. <laughs> Hang on a second. Just- Hang on a second. Dostoevsky. This is pretty amazing knowledge of uh, late 19th century... Russian classical authors, but but he like Dostoevsky is the sort of person who's on everybody's radar, even though you might not know who he is. As well, this was to, the quality. This was the intellect that that great Liverpool team of the time had. I don't think that there's a football dressing room in England at the moment that would have more than one person in it who knows Dostoevsky was a writer. That is that's a challenge I'd like to take on. Somehow I'm not really sure how I could uh, go about. Well, every every footballer we get on get on the show from who's now Dostoevsky. On. That's what we're going to do. We're going, yeah. to, we're going to kick it off That's this weekend with, with Kenny Cunningham and Ray Houghton doing the football after five. They're not currently footballers, but it's a good benchmark to start. My highlight of last night, by the way, I just want to play a quick, uh, quick clip here. All right, how many European championships have you played in? How many European championships have you played in? None. I played in two, so I, I trump them then. Hold on, the badly. European championships is like the League Cup final, <laughs> and the World Cup's like the FA Cup final. I would have gone Champions so League there. Everyone, everyone who says, or everyone who doesn't qualify always doesn't like it. The World Cup, though, the Brazilians are there, and Argent- Argentina, they're there, the World Cup. <laughs> so you want Brazil and Argentina not in the European Championship? It's no. only, it's only a, it should be called half a World Cup, the European Championships. So you're telling me that Brazil and Argentina are not in the European Championships? <laughs> well, no, because they're not in Europe. <laughs> No. <laughs> good it was the, the the thing you don't see there is when he went in the middle of that when he went uh, Argentina it was the swivel of the head around to you for confirmation it's a country <laughs> uh, I was with him all the way by the way I think that uh, you know the World Cup trumps the European Championships oh easily two uh, World yeah. Cups the quality trumps of the European, European Championships, Championships can often be better than the quality of the World Cup well, but... shorter tournament but that's that's going to be eroded when they when they let riff laugh like Ireland into it mm. for uh, finishing third in a group behind Scotland We'll take it. We will. <laughs> so that was last night. I presume it's all up for podcasts and available for it is, yeah. back Keen, functions and Keen all that. Keen tweeted out last night Good. that it's uh, it's all right there and all available. My um, personal highlight was um, he's snorting the Carlsberg line, <laughs> <laughs> which was Ca- that was Colin that was Parkinson, Colin uh, after his magic save. He did very well actually. In I don't know if he'd be walking today. There was a limp by the time I was leaving last night. He was there was a little limp starting with yeah. Uh, he with he's a got a bad back. But uh, you can see that there was athletic talent there at one point or other in his life. This was the uh, penalty shootout at the end, which went very much awry at one point. But uh, It went awry when the, uh, the footballers piratically took it over. Yeah. Uh, well, Fowler, particularly. Well, Fowler was within his rights to miss the penalty. It was Hamman going, no, I'm going to ask you a question. Who's the dumbest of us all? Uh, I was like, well, what do we do here? What, what if someone kicks up a stink? And I'm sure that there's the lawyers for teams two and three... Mm. 
actively pouring over the podcast. Maybe we shouldn't have put that podcast up actually in retrospect. But anyway, amazing commentary from uh, McIntyre, except he failed to call the Panenka. Yeah. So Robbie Fowler does a Panenka, which is saved by Colin Parkinson. And, <laughs> and McIntyre is like, ah, he saved it, I can't believe it. At which point, Donnie's like, <laughs> yeah. hang on a second. <laughs> Pulls the microphone out of his hands and goes, Panenka, Panenka. <laughs> I think maybe we need to send Donnie to all Dave commentary yeah. from now on. Yeah, Donnie's yeah. just sitting there when he, Dave says, misses something. Donnie just takes the mic and starts roaring into it. He could be that guy who sits on his shoulder every now and then and goes, starts roaring. Did you get your sweets last weekend, by the way? Speaking I did get my, I, I met the man behind the sweets. Yeah. And uh, he was very pleased that we were talking about him oh, on you the told Friday him. podcast. <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah, he was delighted. I think they snuck uh, their son kind of sneaks in, between. in yeah in between ah, that's nice. uh, yeah mm. kind of also, my dad used to do that at Lansdowne Road you'd just go up on the shoulders and you wouldn't be seen by the yeah, little lady when he was paying in went to so, croaker for years like that styles, yeah. absolutely I'm, yeah. I'm presuming that's why because he didn't have a seat so he was just sitting down beside me uh, squ- kind of squashed in there so he not a bad game to no. be brought along to but uh, yeah it's quite strange he obviously isn't 100% on the whole radio thing because I was in the middle of the commentary and next thing these uh, toffee sweets were just dropped down in front of me I'm like I don't know if I can just stop talking right now <laughs> don't eat the toffee sweets in the middle of the commentary that's my one bit of radio advice there I tend not to give out advice because I think it's kind of you know patronising but don't eat the toffee sweets in the middle of I think that's reasonable I thought you thought you got wine gums was that not wine there? gums were pre-match yeah right. that was just get the energy levels the energy yeah. get the energy yeah. levels yeah. up yeah. it was more of a sort of a satisfactory aspect to the sort of toffee aspect of he knew everybody in the press box right when we had Tony Barrett and Martin Lipton on uh, in the hour before the match mm. he was chatting away to them knew them well clearly he's been sitting in this seat yeah. for about 20 years now he's seen a lot of greats come and go and he was just chatting away to everyone he, yeah nice guy keep the sweets coming please yeah um, Which... we haven't talked about the Hillsborough documentary at all at any point have we the ESPN 30 no. for 30 have you seen it yet no. I haven't seen it yet no. brilliant contribution brilliant contributions from Tony Barrett in the middle of it as well but obviously nobody in England has seen it yet because the uh, coroner's inquest is ongoing and it's going to be ongoing for nine months. So, um, but it's on YouTube, right? Uh, it gets taken down straight away. Right. There are other ways that you there can are. discover content online, which uh, obviously, you know, as a reputable broadcaster, we can't We've got means. endorse. But, you know, you can find it if you want to see it. It's definitely worth digging well, out. T- Tony Barrett gets Liverpool as a city, much like uh, George Culkin and the North East. He just gets mm. the area... The political side of things, yeah. not just—he's he's far more than just a football journalist. Yeah, and he's brilliant. Yeah, as a football journalist alone, but well, he's got that broader world view that goes beyond the events on the field of play, which takes you into very interesting territory and allocates uh, certain cultural significance to sports, but doesn't allocate too much cultural significance to it. And that's kind of, I think, what the the best people in the industry try and do. He was brilliant. Uh, the flip flip side of that, on a most basic level, it was brilliant to hear a Scouser accent on air just before we went to Anfield yeah. uh, on Sunday. It was great. Uh, Chelsea-Norwich is one of the Sunday games this week uh, and I guess that's where the conversation naturally goes after what we've just spoken about. Uh, Dave is going to be at this one uh, with Paul McVeigh for us and off the ball on Sunday. Some interesting comments from uh, Jose Mourinho today at the press conference. I've just been checking out the Twitter feed of Miguel Delaney which is also uh, always an interesting read. Um, he's spoken about lots of stuff. Uh, Eden Hazard, uh, particularly in his defensive commitment um, and know Ray Houghton was given it the big one about Hazard uh, during the week in the RT commentary around the Champions League and uh, Mourinho says about Hazard's defensive commitment that he's not happy and that he needs to improve so that's good that not, Mourinho's uh, holding back yeah I don't have a problem with not every player tracking back Eden Hazard is Jose Mourinho reckons the best young player in the world 
So maybe this tactical genius of Jose Mourinho should have realised before the match that Azar wasn't going to track back and maybe made a plan that somebody else would cover for him. Well, what if the team's plan and everybody's instructions are that you have to track back and then he's like, no, nah, I'm not doing it, which is an act of petulance as opposed to... Uh, everybody can track back and if you go in with the game plan that is in agreement, everybody will track back and then somebody decides, now, nah, like a two-year-old... But this is not the first game where he hasn't tracked back. This but is part it's, it's of his not, nature. It's not, it actually isn't. From from during the week, particularly for the for the second goal that he gave away, he gave away. Uh, it's not that he didn't track back because he did, but completely half arsely. Yeah. Like he made a half an attempt to get back, so it wasn't as if his remit wasn't to get back because it was. He was in that general vicinity, just couldn't be bothered making Bar- that extra bit of a dash. Barca played City in the Champions League, right? Most recently, and uh, Bayern in this season's. Yeah. Champions League. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, a moment where Aguero gets uh, tackled pretty much on the penalty area by Leo Messi, who has run 60 yards to get it off. And you're like, right, everybody's at it. The game plan is working. And I think that um, for Chelsea and their offensive system to work, and as it has done very well for like since the international break where they got together and since then their defence has been amazing players like Hazard need to be told this is your job I understand the point you're making that he has to be free to be creative and sustain some energy for that but well we- he has he has the guys you look at someone like William who has a huge amount of talent Shurla, Salah, Oscar all these guys have been moulded already by Mourinho to track back and yeah. to work so hard but Hazard I think is still is a type of character who looks at it and goes you know I'm nearly at the level of Messi and Ronaldo I don't need to do this yeah but I mean like he, he'll ultimately and under Mourinho he'll ultimately end up paying the price I mean everybody speaks about Matt and what a you know fantastic player he is but just couldn't do what Mourinho asked him to do so good luck to you I mean if you don't if you don't fulfil the role that you're asked to do by the manager it doesn't really matter if you're Messi does it and maybe this is him saying right I'll take the 45 million from PSG yeah. that's grand and I'll go spend that or we'll swap him for one of your guys whichever of the two non-Ibrahimovic strikers he fancies most I think it's pretty clear that there's a very good chance that he will leave now in the summer that because Mourinho's never going to change He's not. He's not going to change for one player. Should he? That isn't. That, isn't that a valid question? Like, like Hazard has, has been when he's been on such an important player for Chelsea this season. What if? What if Eden Hazard could be that incredible attacking player, but also bought into the team ethic, and so therefore you have this perfect machine? That's a better scenario than having a player who's yeah pouting in the centre well, circle. Would Chelsea have beaten Liverpool last week if Hazard had played? Because the guys who came in did track back. Even Salah, uh, who was on the other wing, Shurla was the, on top. the auxiliary fullbacks. You mean? Yeah, that's perhaps probably not. Yeah, because as you say, you need all eleven. But I just think Hazard is never going to change. He's only he, 21, 22. There's definitely time for him to change mm-hmm. to have a a shift in attitude. Going well, the best players in the world, the Leo Messi tracking back to tackle Aguero in his box. If that's what Messi is doing, granted, Cristiano Ronaldo does not do that, and uh, you know. Obviously, Real Madrid have managed to find a way to incorporate the best player in the world at the moment uh, and his his gifts. But Hazard doesn't play far enough up the field, I think. If he was an out-and-out finisher striker, then maybe you get away with not being the person who tracks back. But if you're going to play 15, 20 yards behind that, then the guys who you're 
direct opponent are, are going to be capable of scoring and if that's the case then you've got to track back So Mourinho them. doesn't change his system to keep Eden Hazard part of his, as part of his plan he allows him to leave bring somebody in who you assume is of a lesser standard of a player but is going well, to fulfil your brief Well They already have ready, ready-made replacements mm. there in that they have Shirley, William, Salah all pretty much fighting for two spots on the team I think the problem on, uh, in the Champions League was that they're missing the guy who's suddenly become their most important player which is Matic who covers everybody yeah. that if one of these three attacking midfielders doesn't cover back Matic is always there mm. in every Chelsea game I've covered over the past few weeks he's just been immense even for Serbia against Ireland I remember Glenn, Glenn Whelan going in to tackle him now maybe not the best example to give well it's but, a week in week out Premier League player but he's literally he just puts his arm up and Whelan is, yeah. cannot get near him and he is by far and away already the best defensive midfielder in the Premier League and Perhaps the fact that he wasn't playing, I think that may not happen if he was yeah. in the team. So you're saying it's taken for granted that it's going to be a lesser player. What if it isn't a lesser player? What if it's Diego Costa? Okay, but, okay, but it's going to be difficult. It's got, right. You're, you're definitely fine-tuning your numbers in terms of who you're going to get in to replace Eden Hazard, like one of the most amazing players in Europe this but season. keep Shirley, keep William, play those two. Salah turns out to be good. I don't know yet enough about Salah. But you put Costa in the team. And you take out Hazard, and then you have Costa, who doesn't have to track back. Those three working incredibly hard, Matic plus one. I don't know who that automatically would be. Maybe Ramirez is not quite the player he was 18 months ago for whatever reason. And suddenly that's a very mm. potent attacking and also incredibly defensive when they need to be yeah. hard-working and group of players. Obviously, the, other, the option is that Mourinho has to change his style. That's really the ultimate uh, thing here, and that's never going to happen. No, because he hasn't ever. No. Uh the one caveat to that is he gets sacked in the summer for not winning the league, which is... Or he gets sacked two months into the start of next season, which... That'll be a pain in the hole for Mourinho because it means that he can't get into the Man United reckoning, which maybe is gone anyway. Who knows? There's some other uh, interesting quotes here that he talks about the trophy drought in his career, and we're going to get into that tomorrow on uh, a Saturday afternoon, 2-6 to six and off the ball. But some other stuff here about Terry, uh, about Terry crying during the week after the game. Last year, when they got knocked out in the group, they, uh, were they crying? No. You cry if you lose uh, the semi-final second leg. You build expectations. You do it so well that you put yourself in a position where you dream and feel it's possible. Then when you're almost there, you're frustrated to cry a couple of tears. I don't think makes you less of a man than you are, says Jose Mourinho. If Next Liverpool year. lose, don't win the title on the final day of the season and Steven Gerrard is crying, this guy is held up as a hero. Look what it means to him. Look what this club means to Steven Gerrard. If John Terry does it, he's probably planning. He was thinking about this all week. <laughs> he was plotting. He knows yeah. he's going to be on the back of all the papers he does this. Kleenex there's, no way he could, there's no way he could love Chelsea the way you love Liverpool. Those tears are wearing their full kit. <laughs> uh, Chelsea Norwich on Sunday afternoon, I presume we're all in a John Terry full kit W yeah. type style here. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea yes. win. Um, so that is... Dave and Paul McVeigh on that game David Luiz saying this week that it would be a shit season in his own words if Chelsea don't win a trophy but I expect them to take a step further towards that this weekend Uh, we're going to start on Sunday with Arsenal against West Brom at the Emirates Nathan Yard this one alongside uh, Gary Breen a win for Arsenal will make them safe in uh, fourth place seven points clear of Everton with two to go you expect them to get the job done? Yes but well they could have the job done before they even play on Sunday this is what kind of makes this game interesting mm-hmm. is that it all depends on tomorrow's results if Manchester City be the Everton Arsenal Rodri true to the Champions League for next season no matter what happens West Brom could be safe or if results go the other way suddenly the pressure's on Arsenal and the pressure's on West Brom and we could have a, a really intense game I think either way it's Arsenal's final home game 
of the season. So you would expect them to be at it and have their first choice starting 11 out. They've done exactly what I kind of predicted, which is they've beaten West Ham, they've beaten Hull, they've beaten Newcastle, all these lesser teams, three wins in a row. Everton have faded. And Arsenal, without doing anything particularly spectacular over the last few weeks, are going to scrape back into the Champions League again. And then we do the exact same thing again next season. They've been very good against, since I think Villa on the opening day of the season are the only team in the bottom half they've lost to. And that's kind of summed up their Is season. it harsh to say that they've scraped... I mean, if they've... Like, I was actually offering this theory a few weeks back, but I've changed my mind since that. Um, that they've scraped into the Champions League places. Like, they've done better than the team who's finished fifth. Well, I think that actually what's happened over the last couple of weeks is that Aaron Ramsey has come back and that changes pretty much everything because mm. they now have players who are doing things that the rest of the team don't do, which is get forward past the strikers and suddenly the defence is facing five or six players and they have loads of space. Um, now, we had Raymond Verheyen on the show twice. The first time was calling Moyes prehistoric and the second time was calling Wenger prehistoric. And Arsenal will repeat unless they somehow manage to keep their players fit. But if they keep their players fit, then it's going to be very interesting to see just how far they can go. They know Ramsey from Boxing Day up until two weeks ago. If like he, he was in for player of the season. We're talking about a potential Luis Suarez impact on the season. Uh, you had another 10 goals for him in three months. Where where are they for like what's the difference? If it's a, sure uh, but I don't th- I, like, this is Arsene Wenger language. I agree. I agree. I understand but I, I, it is worth considering that they are seven points behind Liverpool. Yeah but they're a huge seven points. They're seven points getting hammered by Liverpool City Chelsea Everton. Yeah imagine like <laughs> Even notwithstanding those four crap results, they're still only seven points behind. That, that actually, I think Arsenal are very much closer this year than they were last year. Now, this is one of those freak seasons where everybody's closer because Man United aren't uh, running away with the league and because Chelsea, for whatever reason, they don't have a striker and City are flaky. So maybe this is the chance of a lifetime that they've got. But I just think that their squad is actually like really, really strong minus two players and... So, 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 hang on. So, right, you're talking about Ramsey and the importance of Ramsey to the Arsenal system. Well, right? I'm using him as an example, but yeah. actually, I do think that there's a big problem at Arsenal with the culture, and they don't really know how to manage players, and they don't know yeah. how to manage injuries. And I accept what Raymond Verheyen says that these guys aren't as good as they should be at getting players to play when they need to. There's almost an accept- acceptance of failure to a certain extent, which yeah. starts from Wenger. But that he, he never gets particularly angry anymore about anything. You never really hear him having a go at other managers even, starting a bit of a row. It's all just, come on, let's keep doing the if, same thing. Surely it'll all just happen for us one season if everybody stays fit. If that dip in form has coincided with Ramsey's not being around, well, doesn't, that, I mean, doesn't that suggest that actually there isn't that squad of players there? Well, well they're also missing Walcott, Oxlade, Chamberlain. But Manchester City have had a huge amount of injuries... Liverpool have had players missing at different times of the season. Chelsea have had players. Ramsey yeah, is the one player for Arsenal, though, who is different. He is the one guy who says, just give me the bloody ball, I'm going to run towards the goal. Whereas Ozil, Cazorla are all happy to pass, pass, pass. Yeah, Ramsey every time. He's the one guy with the drive who, as you say, wants to get yeah, past Giroud. I, I think that um, Ozil also, with a full preseason, all that kind of stuff, that, that changes things quite significantly for Arsenal next season. No Ox, no Wilshire, no Gibbs this weekend. Um, so none of those played against Newcastle either on Monday night. They managed to brush them aside pretty handily. I do expect them to beat West Brom this weekend. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, like, I think the point you're making about uh, results, West Brom, I think, are pretty much safe because uh, for them to be in trouble, Sunderland would have to beat Man United and Aston Villa will have to beat Hull. Uh, Aston Villa Hull, I think, could be one of those games where both teams end up getting deducted points for the quality of the football being so bad. <laughs> Um, so you're going for Arsenal I am yeah, yeah. Very good. Okay. straightforward uh, that's a clean sweep there so our coverage starts on Sunday at 1 o'clock uh, with that Arsenal West Brom game Nathan will be there alongside former Republic of Ireland defender Gary Breen uh, Saturday's action Everton Manchester City is the late game so let's maybe chat about that one first uh, if we can um, Nathan you'll be keeping an eye on this one for us Everton looks as if they're not going to get fourth place now it seems the possibility we've been speaking about this week arises that they could facilitate a City win to ensure that Liverpool aren't going to win the title but needless to say that's my taxi driver uh, last Sunday coming back from Anfield uh, said different he was an Everton supporter and he said for two reasons he wants Everton to beat Manchester City firstly they hate Manx <laughs> and the Everton supporters see themselves as the true Liverpool true Liverpudlians mm. and the uh, obviously Manchester City supporters see themselves as the true yeah. Manx so they don't like them for a start and also if Liverpool were to go on and win the league either way the Everton supporters want to be able to turn around and say we did it we did it for you we, we, you, you couldn't have done it without us yeah, yeah but I mean that, that like that's great for about two weeks until people forget about the fact that Everton did it for them but the Everton supporters won't forget no, about it no that's true it's a e- either way that, all yeah, that reckon, is I think oh, that's yeah. forgotten in the midst of time last well, we forget it but the yeah. Everton fans never forget and that's yeah. what's important yeah. but also I think maybe there is a certain amount of nonsense to all that because Everton are a very good team with a manager who probably makes his name in games like this that if he can go and get a result against Manchester City whatever it doesn't do a huge amount for Everton's season perhaps but again it just adds to Roberto Martinez to the aura around him Mm. and again whereas there may be a couple of doubts over the last few weeks about Martinez how they've slipped up suddenly everyone's saying well look at the squad he has look at the results they've beaten Arsenal and United in the past month I want the Arsenal job or I want the Manchester City job I'm Roberto Martinez I want to go and beat those teams as often as possible and uh, he wants extra money and they want to make sure they finish fifth and you know they want to put a little bit of pressure on Arsenal just to see if they do bottle it Goodison Park is not the kind of place where you can just turn up and the way Everton have played this season I don't think they've they're not that kind of team often at this stage of the season we speak of teams who are just going through the motions you might want to play Southampton or Newcastle and one of these sides who are pretty much on holidays I don't think Everton are they have a lot of guys going to the World Cup they're not just going to roll over and give up. This will be if they could get something against City. This just adds to their season, and looking ahead to next season gives them a lot more confidence that yeah, actually we're not that far away. Yeah, and they won't have to sell James Coleman. Interesting story from uh, Martinez. Before we leave that idea of uh, Everton rolling over and having their uh, bellies tickled this weekend, uh, this week talked about making his debut for Zaragoza uh, against Atletico Madrid. Uh, it was the last day of the season, and Real Madrid had to beat Tenerife to win the league. Uh, which would have qualified Atletico for Europe, but Real were beaten, and the Atletico, Atletico, Atletico fans went nuts um, with celebration, uh, with the idea of being, we'd rather lose one eye as long as the neighbour loses two. <laughs> Whoa. Which oh, I think kind of sums up grim. that whole uh, it is also, situation right there. It is the friendly derby, it's called, between Everton and Liverpool, because they do support each other. It's, it's not bitter at all between the two clubs. Mm. It's like uh, Ulster people supporting the other counties in Ulster when they get to Croke Park as opposed to every other province going. Is that kind uh, of unique though too? Does that happen or not? Like I, as, a, as, a, as somebody from Leinster I don't especially want to see any other counties in Leinster doing particularly well over, over any other provinces I have to admit. It doesn't really give me yeah, any Yeah but what joy. about in rugby? Was there not a time... That's what uh, you're saying that no but you're saying that the other counties in Ulster do like to see the other... Uh, yeah. yeah. They're the only so, ones to do it. 
But sorry, the only error. Okay, but is there not the situation? Was there not the situation in rugby where where Munster were doing well that the Leinster fans they all had a soft spot for them? Well, you see, they weren't uh, really Leinster fans. Really? Is the point? They weren't. Re- they, the point is that they weren't Leinster fans. They weren't. Especially, well, they were from you know, Leinster. They, they were from Leinster, but they weren't Leinster rugby fans. They were just they were people rug- who they liked were, they were success. Rug- they were they, they enjoyed rugby and they were from Leinster, but they weren't necessarily Leinster rugby supporters. Who that are you was the whole. This is the the Leinster, the whole Leinster idea. Uh, well, they're they are a peculiar brand of people who should be despised and pitied. That's what I think of those <laughs> people. Agreed. But you're talking about the average Leinster fan who is a proper Leinster fan. I think actually, now, no, 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 I'm talking no, about six, talking seven about years ago, yeah, 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 that yeah. when Munster were winning Heineken Cups. Ah, yeah, I mean, it was great. I don't great. think there was too many Leinster supporters wanting Munster to win last weekend. No, that's the thing. But once, because until Leinster had their own success, the creation myth didn't really, it was like, oh, well, this is a rising tide. It's going to lift all boats. And then it was like, no, screw you. You can win this tournament. I want you to get beaten. Um, I'll remind you of the name of this podcast. It's the Friday Football Podcast. We're talking the about clues the, in the uh, name. We're talking about Everton Liverpool. Um, Ideal scenario City's, for Everton is C- they beat Manchester City and Liverpool still don't win the league. <laughs> City's record at Goodison Park is terrible. I think it's like one win in the last ten visits, something like that. Yeah, I see they can drop a point here. I drop two points. Suddenly the pressure. Suddenly the pressure shifted, and it's all on Manchester City's shoulders. And they're not. They're they're doing the job week after week, mm. but. They're not playing anywhere near as well as they were earlier in the season. They have a few injury doubts. I'm still not convinced that Aguero's fully fit. No, are interested. Um, and on top of all that, in terms of that record, you could say Everton are at a stronger point now than they were previously. Gary Neville uh, was talking about the compla- you know, Manchester City want to be, avoid any complacency over the next little while. I can't imagine that's going to be a factor in any way, shape, or form. They've had to kick up the hole that they need. I don't think complacency comes into it, I have to say. Um, Gary Neville knows a thing or two about this. He sure does, but I'm going to uh, disagree <laughs> with him here. But, how, but he's how, not presenting you this podcast. Is how he? can how can we'll give him a right to reply if he wants to get involved? How can Manchester City be complacent? I don't like, know. The but one thing they can absolutely 100% not be is complacent when you say that but why is it such you, a big you, thing you've in gotta sports be, you've got to be top of the tree to be complacent and and actually Pellegrini has made this point in the last few weeks that uh, because they've always had to have these games in hand Manchester City have never had the possibility well barring maybe once or twice over the season to be top of the tree and he's looking at that looking at that as actually as a negative and you know we, we wanted to be up there and we wanted to be the ones who were setting the pace but because of all these fixtures I think it was weather was it strong winds at one point they had one of the games cancelled the League Cup they had games cancelled and then they ended up not playing as many despite having a better record over the same games played as those above them they were never top of the table yeah if they um, don't win tomorrow, it won't be because of complacency. It'll be because Everton were the better team. Complacency could be against Aston Villa during the week where you're looking at Aston Villa and thinking this is the worst team in the Premier League. Yeah. There's no way in hell we can lose this game. We'll just turn up and we'll win. And then it doesn't happen. As Gary Neville was saying on Monday night, Gabriel Agbanahor out of nowhere runs at full speed 40 yards and scores this fluky goal. And next thing Aston Villa have taken a point or have beaten them. Mm. That's where the complacency kicks in. All right, I I can't see the complacency. I'm going for Manchester City uh, at Goodison Park this Saturday in the late game. I'm going for a draw. I'm going to go for a draw. Whoa. Um, should point out at this stage of proceedings to do a little recap on last week's fun, uh, where we had four people around the table. We I had seven so games well. to <laughs> choose from. And Jer, you didn't do so well. Out of those seven games, you got one. Wow. You went with some mad choices, of which I don't have to hand right now, I went but with Villa. they were off the wall well, on I went, reflection. I, went with Villa. I was also trying to create some points of difference, you know. By the way, we all went for Everton to beat Southampton as well, which uh, turned out to be a bit of a red herring. Um, but there was a three-way tie at the top. Nathan, myself and McIntyre, who's taken his leave us today to right. be with George Hook. Three right. Three out of seven. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was the uh, last week's predictions table.
which is pretty grim reading today. Um, the early game on Saturday is West uh, West Ham up against Tottenham. Uh, reading some quotes from Ronald De Boer today saying that Frank is definitely considering uh, the option of uh, taking over at Spurs. One of the, interesting. He calls him uh, Ronald. This is calls him one of the nicest clubs in the Premier League. I'm not sure you'd really want to. That'd be top of your your, your I top five quite a nice club as well. You always get the impression from Ajax that's a. Uh, a nice place to four consecutive uh, Dutch league titles in a row is pretty uh, pretty nice. Yeah, um, I'd say that there's a, a nasty element to a lot of those people who are smiling at you and then plotting in a side corridor with their teammates to get rid of you. At Ajax or at Tottenham? At Ajax, lots of coups. Um, I think he'd be an interesting choice. You know, yeah. Tim Sherwood since he took over. You look at the league table. Spurs would be fourth. That would be job done if. Ah, yeah. But like that's season. a completely false. No, that's a fact. No, it's a completely false sense of his. You take out the defeat to Arsenal. Like the season isn't decided over hammering how many games he's been there. <laughs> but he's not Jose Mourinho. He didn't have the common sense going to Anfield to maybe think we might defend for the first twenty minutes, and that's pretty much what he's been slaughtered about. Obviously, he doesn't help himself in any way with his uh, pre, post, during match comments, but. Tottenham I often wonder with Tottenham what, what do they want from life <laughs> <laughs> what I wonder this I about a lot might, of Premier League yeah, clubs, I could, and, and actually I think you could, where, I think how far could, do they think they're going I think you completely asked this question about West Ham but I would think Tottenham should I think Tottenham would be one of those clubs who should have some ambition to become one of the top four clubs I know what you're, somebody's about to say well look at Liverpool they finished 7th last year Brendan Rodgers has destroyed all these clubs like Tottenham and destroyed whatever manager comes in Frank De Boer whoever it is because they're all now going to be judged on well look at what Brendan Rodgers did Mm. and look at how far he managed to take Liverpool over the space of a season it's a freak what Brendan Rodgers has done for Spurs they're always going to be between 4th, 5th and 6th unless there's another freak (laughs) unless Aston Villa it's going to be Aston Villa next season that's uh, they managed to stay up that if I would say the difference between Frank De Boer and Tim Sherwood as manager next season is maybe five points. Uh, up or down. Exactly. I mean, that, that, well, look, the thing is, at least with this, you're buying somebody who has knowledge of the European transfer market, who has a style of play that's going to be very specific and honed and developed by Johan Cruyff and that field of vision and that's exactly what we want and he's got a track record of achieving success in a different league it's a, it is the other guy is Tim league. Sherwood <laughs> you just want to get a manager who can get the best out of the players and by the way like Tim Sherwood's style of management like is it's three months full that's what it is there's no longevity in that like him coming out every week with this <clears> nonsense of creating drama around himself every well, week well I would worry about his long term health if <laughs> Tim Sherwood was to be in the job for any considerable period of time uh, yeah. so, Sam no need to worry about that Sam Allardyce has outdone himself again this week he talks about uh, so West Ham have been booed the last last few weeks uh, in case anybody's new to that party four losses on the bounce uh, They've beaten Spurs already twice this season, but uh, Allardyce quoting this week, everyone talks about possession, and we outpossessed both Crystal Palace and West Brom. Uh, they outpossessed them to add to his out-tactic of uh, Chelsea earlier in the season. Manchester Joe do himself pretty much every time he opens his gob, this guy. But is he... He's correct in what he's saying? Probably, well, these I mean, are the teams that wise, he no. should be comparing West Ham to at the moment. That's They're not going to be out-tacticing Liverpool... <laughs> Which they didn't, but they did all right against Liverpool at Upton Park. Yeah, uh, I I think that everybody uses sticks to beat Big Sam. He's done an incredible job keeping up uh, West Ham and making them safe. And 
ultimately he's a better manager than he gets credit for. He's probably not worth the three point two million that he gets that makes him the in the top twenty paid manager in the world. But maybe he is, you know. I mean that's you pay at a club like West Ham, you're paying money to guarantee Premier League survival. The two owners know what it's like and they've seen exactly firsthand at Birmingham what happens when uh you screw things up really badly. So like what do West Ham want? They want Premier League survival. When they get to the Olympic Stadium, they, they don't. Be able that's to spend the point. Like money. the fans don't. That's exactly what what the last few weeks have proven. But the, f- the fans don't matter. Like we know that the, the fans, fans don't matter. matter. No, they don't. Well, if the fans stop turning up to watch Sam Allardyce football, but they won't. No, I'm not they saying won't. that. Yeah, this is okay, their, well, this is, this this is their is life. Their... Above any team in London, the West Ham fans are the pure Londoners who their entire week revolves around what West Ham do at the weekend. Mm. They they're they're going to turn up. Until they get together and buy the club off the two lads, their booing won't ultimately have that much of an impact. Unless it becomes like, like unless it, the only way that, that ever has any impact is when they start physically, the two owners start feeling physically threatened. They go, look, this is uncomfortable for us now, Sam. Thanks very much for all your help. But he's keeping them in the Premier League. You're in love with Tony Pulis. I can guarantee you, second half of next season, if Crystal Palace are doing okay, suddenly there'll be questions about. Tony Pulis style at Crystal Palace from the supporters oh look we're safe already we're mid-table why don't we start playing some good football now because you got to mid-table by not playing good football yeah, but by Ham just hoofing it up tradition in the top flight of English football than Crystal Palace Crystal Palace's tradition with the top flight of English football is get promoted get relegated West Ham is not anybody. that dissimilar they have a longer, in like, fact long, it's very similar a longer history of staying more up than, yeah, than yeah, down but yeah. always down yeah. always down yeah, yeah. Uh, and down for my money this uh, Saturday lunchtime I think Tottenham are going to win here West Ham uh, I think a draw uh, you've, have you gone for a few draws so far I think you have yeah you've, Everton City are going to draw uh, no that's your second one yeah fair enough there you go I'll allow you that Villa that's my quota Hull, Villa Hull City at uh, Villa Park I'm going to be keeping an eye on this one on Saturday it's a massive game for they're uh, three points currently from safety with three games to go. A win should do, and perhaps it's going to be the lottery that all Aston Villa fans wish would be would come their way because, as we believe it, Randy Lerner is ready to walk out the door and a couple of American billionaires are ready to come in and take his place. But all depending on Aston Villa remaining in the Premier League. This is quite the game. Back Shane Long to score. He scored those crackers against Villa earlier on the season for uh, West Brom, those two amazing goals. With um, when everybody said afterwards he should play for England, uh, yeah. so I think Shane Long will score, and I'm actually going to go for another draw here. <laughs> I think I saw from sitting on that fence. I think Villa are going to score, but um, you know they, if, play, they played out. A, a, if it, if it's any pointer, they played out a horrendous nil nil draw at Casey Stadium, and that was December. Aston Villa would take a horrendous nil nil draw right now. The point should be enough. You would expect. They've it's had. getting there now. I mean, Sunderland do have to play West Brom midweek, which makes things a bit more interesting and probably means West Brom do have to play against Arsenal just to make sure that they're that little bit clear of uh, Sunderland. They would be if they got a point more than... Uh, actually, yeah, a point would be perfect for them. But if they don't, <clears throat> and Sunderland managed somehow to pick up a point at Old Trafford. I Suddenly. Um, a going to go for despite there's a massive social media campaign to get the Holt end back from Aston Villa and they're going to hope that that's going to end (laughs) easy now roar them over the line I'm going to go also for a draw here I do think that there should be standing areas in 
English football stadiums and uh, Villa have been one of those clubs who actually have applied to the Premier League for this. They've done all the safety tests. The modern football stadium, as we see at Borussia Dortmund, when you have standing fans, it means cheaper tickets, it means a better atmosphere mm. and it means that uh, football can become something akin to what it was in the 70s and 80s as opposed to the hooligan element but actually for the people of the city as opposed to just for corporates and the middle classes who can pay so the football's going, Jerry, you're fighting a losing battle there. It's becoming the middle, the game of the middle class man you said yeah, and woman. But Villa are going to be able to, there is a strong shout that they're going to be able to do this. So, mm. And also you were on about a couple of billionaires coming in to take over from Randy Lerner. You would think that Aston Villa are one of the teams that if you were looking to buy a club, they are ripe at the moment for expansion because they're in the big city, they're in the second city. There is no real powerhouse there is, I'm sure there's a huge corporate community in Birmingham who are looking to spend their money Apart from somewhere. the powerhouse of West Brom, of course. Well, that's it. you've got West Brom and Birmingham. It's it's not really going anywhere. No. There's, there's no reason why Wolves. Villa can't not build a new stadium but expand and have huge amounts of corporate boxes and make it an attractive proposition, which I Birmingham think is why City. Paul Lambert won't survive. Stoke, just down the road. Mm. I'm just going to keep lobbing in random names here. Um, 250 Villa- million quid is too much for it when you can probably get one of the other clubs for 50 million and spend that 200 million on getting them to the point where Villa are at the moment Lerner spent 63 million to buy the club and then he spent 250 on players and facilities etc it's a phenomenal amount of money yeah how much how much have they got back I, don't, I haven't looked at their accounts I, to see if they've made if there's any year where they make a, an operating profit yeah, but I mean, it's never going to be an operating profit that's going to kick you back 300 million quid. Well, the price to buy it now is like, 250. For how long has Randy Lerner been there? The, 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 the price to buy it now is 250. Yeah. Well, that's not bad, actually, because he, as I said, he bought it for 63. Well, it, it is bad if you can buy a, a team in the championship for 50 million mm. and spend 200 yeah, million and you have a. Enough, yeah. If you, you could probably buy Southampton for less. QPR, you're going with the QPR sort of. QPR, a higher wage bill than Atletico Madrid. Yeah, insane. Uh, Nathan. Atletico Madrid done with Jermaine Genus, though. <laughs> Villa Hull, exactly. Villa Hull City. Hull. At least you're putting your uh, neck on the block there. Um, I'm also going to be watching on Saturday Stoke against Fulham. Fulham one point behind Sunderland, uh, who are currently in that sort of safe position, uh, but with a far inferior goal difference, uh, Fulham have, that is. Uh, but I would argue with a realistic chance of survival, they have Stoke and then Palace to come. They should have beaten Hull last weekend, uh, but end up coughing up that 2-0 lead. Uh, Stoke, on the other hand, cruising. They have Fulham this weekend and then West Brom to come after that. Um, Agath, the line that we've heard over the last little while, he's never been relegated in quarter this week. That he's a bit afraid of that situation. Afraid of it. I don't know how it feels to be relegated. I am afraid, says Felix Magath, which is perhaps a bit of a dangerous message to be sending out to your Fulham players before they play the game that quite possibly is uh, now considered the one basket that they've got left. I fear Fulham blew it last weekend. 2-0 up against Hull. Yeah, That was their chance. So, they Rome. have to win. You look at the table, I think they, they really have to win tomorrow to stay up. Well, and that's a lot of pressure it, for on Sunderland, a team really low in confidence to deal with. So, I just think maybe a draw. Stoke, in general, have been very good at home. I know they were beaten by Spurs last weekend, but it'll be their last home game of the season. It'll be a packed house. Yeah, It's not where Fulham want to be going at the moment. Stoke win. Stoke win for you, Ger. Nathan, you are going... Draw. And I'm going to go just to be a bit different for a Fulham win at that one. I think it's pretty much all on the line for them. They've got to win it. Um, Jerry, you're going to be watching Manchester United and Sunderland. Yeah, Ryan Giggs inspired Manchester United with Louis van Gaal waiting in the wings. Apparently the deal is almost done. Going to be unveiled next week for the uh, World Cup. Um, 
Um, look, I, Sunderland obviously had that amazing result with the worst stroke, best penalty shootout of all time in the Carling Cup. Um, I don't think that that's enough of an indicator. I think that the gigs bounce is a real thing. I think that the players are playing. I think they're going to win. Think the, it's like we've just won the league buzz is still going to be there this week? I think they can maintain that against uh, mighty Sunderland. Notwithstanding Sunderland's brilliant run of uh, seven points from nine. Uh, it's just a different situation where Man United don't have anything to play for and so therefore aren't under any pressure. The way that Chelsea uh, were a little bit distracted and the way that uh, City obviously have huge pressure on them. I think Man United are going to win relaxed. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, the return of Vidic has been a big thing as well. Obviously, Moyes was kind of thinking about the longer-term plan and didn't really have Nemanja Vidic as that his, went well. uh, yeah, his number one guy they in the middle. given Vidic a two-year contract at the start of the season going, you're my Why captain, you're the Did most he... important player. Because there's this bullshit about the, oh, you know, players deal. over, yeah, we're, we're being hard-ass about this. And then we're giving Wayne Rooney 300 grand a week, Nemanja. Yeah. That's what we think of you. Crazy. Um, but yeah, Village is back and playing well. And uh, Rooney, a bit of a small bit of a doubt, apparently, for this one. Uh, his immunity is low. His immunity is low, and he's got a groin strain, which is one trading off the other, apparently, according to uh, Ryan Giggs today, who says that he may play himself over the coming weeks. He's just not sure things are going to go. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a United win, Nathan. United win. Uh, Jerry, you're also on Newcastle, Cardiff City. Just a final point on Giggs. If the Van Hal deal is done, I expect Giggs to start the last two games. Uh, if the Van Hal deal isn't done, I expect him to emerge fully suited and booted and go, no, no, I am manager. I'm Seriously, I, I'm honestly, I'm manager material. Well, Van Hal clearly knows what's seriously. going on here by pushing to get this deal done as quickly as possible because, again, they could easily win 4-0 tomorrow. Also, and suddenly... Pep Guardiola came out today and said, back me or sack me to the Bayern hierarchy. I'd be like, hmm, just going to hang on sending over that contract to you, Mr. Van Hal. Yeah. And also, as you mentioned, Jose as well. well. Why did Pep not go to United the previous summer? Well, because nobody wanted the job after yeah, Alex yeah. Ferguson. Now you can go, Alex, how are you? It's less of a Your boy house. David, yeah, how did that work enough. out for you? That's fair enough. I'm the boss, buddy. Uh, St. James's Park, George, let's get focused here. Uh, always very difficult to predict what the hell is going to happen here. Cardiff are shit, so I'm going to go with the Newcastle win. Yeah, Cardiff, their last five games were against Sunderland, Stoke, Southampton, Palace, West Brom. Their five games they needed ten points from. They got two. Those, they're gone. It's over. You're going for Newcastle. Goodbye. I'm going to go book the trend here. They are shit. Newcastle are probably currently the shittest team in the division. Aston Villa. Uh, what? Aston Villa worse. Cardiff. Uh, so I'm going to go for Cardiff here and uh, that is one of the three o'clock games. And finally, Nathan, to wrap things up, you are watching Swansea Southampton. It's the one that really matters this weekend. <laughs> That's why we've left it to last. Match of the day style. Swansea's, uh, speaking of players uh, going to the World Cup, obviously Ricky Lambert wants to get there and uh, he has a little bit of an injury. So Maurizio Pochettino isn't going to risk him. Oh. More than likely, he's going to say, listen, I don't want you pushing yourself for Southampton. We're going to finish eighth no matter what happens now. So you just take a rest for a couple of weeks and get yourself ready for the World Cup. So it's a good attitude. Roy Hodgson, I'm sure, will be pleased about that when yeah. everyone else is jetting off around the world Joe what about Hart, all the Irish soccer James supporters Milner. what about all the guys who are paying 20 quid to go to the Aviva Stadium in a couple of weeks time to watch Shamrock Rovers in Liverpool and Roy Hodgson is ruining their experience yeah no Gerard, no Sterling no Sturridge. Suarez no if all the uh, world well, players I don't know if Roy at. has a does he have a say in what Suarez no but if you're resting Gerard, presumably you got to rest Manchester City say they are bringing Joe Hart and James Milner to uh, Abu Dhabi but what's yeah. the problem with James Milner going to Dubai surely James Milner needs some game time so so, but they're 
sorry, and Joe Hart's a goalkeeper. They're bringing him to Abu, da- Abu Dhabi, but neither of them are going to play. It's in uh, the words of the article I read today going to be a sun holiday for the two. Just leave them at home. It doesn't make a blind bit of difference. No, no, I'm sorry. Bring them with you. I Why? pay you they're 120 a grand off. a week. They've, they've literally got a week off. But also, do you know what they're going to do with the week off? They're going to fly to Abu Dhabi to sit in the beach. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's not. I, I, I would. I'll go to Vegas like uh, Rooney did last time. If by some big stretch of circumstances I was that player, I would completely want not to have to fly the five or six hours to Abu Dhabi and uh, well good luck with that but we're not paying you <laughs> of course that's never going to be an issue it's, it's more uh, uh, we own you yeah. we, we are getting a lot of money to go multi, over here multi multi million pound sponsorship deals well it's the owner like that's 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 ultimately it the owner wants you know this United I, no it's the contract that they signed as professional footballers to do like a job a week later they're going to have to go and get ready for a World Cup have some the World Cup is weeks and weeks and weeks away but the preparation for that starts a week after ah what preparation <laughs> these are professional athletes there's not a pre-season they're not going to be doing a pre-season they're incredibly fit athletes they need a little bit of rest they're going to fly first class probably have their own sleeping pods with massage it's like there's I didn't know the Liverpool players were being arrested for the Shamrock Rovers game. That is ridiculous. It is the from Roy Hodgson's point of view. I would prefer Joe Hart and James Milner going to Abu Dhabi than being let do whatever they want. So, for but the week. they don't get any opportunity at any point because so they start preparation for the World Cup. After that, they go and play in the World Cup. Presumably, they get decently far in the World Cup, and then they're straight back into pre-season preparation again. But I'm pr- pretty certain that after they come back and they link up with England, they're going to Portugal for four or five days where they're going to rest. Then they fly to America, a couple of matches, yeah, then but another like, that's week's like, that's, rest. That's like, you know what, Adrian, right? You can take some holidays, but you have to go away with these couple of schmucks for a few days. You can't go and spend time with the people that you actually enjoy hanging out with. You couple of... I'm sorry, but they're professional footballers. They do a little. <laughs> they do an hour and a half in the morning, and then they have the rest of the day to hang around every day of their lives. The, the, the it's not the same thing. It's completely not the same thing as taking a break from whatever it is work that you do and go and spend time they're with your not, family. They're not on holidays. They're getting paid to come to work. They get their holidays after the World Cup. Yeah. They can do whatever they want They don't. Then. Like, the window's so small. They're, they're going to the World Cup. They don't need holidays. Uh, they're still going to get three or four weeks off after the World Cup to do whatever they want. You're, I'm not you're the Jimmy her. Hill. I'm not going to be convinced. You're her. the Jimmy Hill of this, right? Adrian's, can, Adrian's a union man. Is, is, it, is it my chin? Uh, continuing with the Swansea City Southampton uh, preview. I have no clue what's going to happen here. I'm Swansea going for, are going to uh, win us their last home game three, of the season. I'm going for uh, Southampton. Three, so, ooh. I'm going for Swansea. 3-2 to somebody. I heard, uh, I heard actually... <laughs> a draw uh, then, is it? Harry Redknapp was on, was on the radio this morning talking about Big Sam and uh, Big Sam has been very hard done by, which I was quite surprised because obviously Harry's been linked with a possible return to West Ham, but Harry's been very hard done by and as we were saying, you know, he has a mid-table, what more do you want? And all these managers have been hard done by. Gary Monk, you know, they should give him the job on a permanent basis. Been hard done by down there in Swansea. Another English manager. All these English managers have been very hard done by according to Harry Redknapp this morning. But uh, Gary Monk, is gone. This is his last home game. But is it not discu- there's discussions about some discussions about something. I don't know what the discussions are about, but Gary Monk and Swansea are having discussions about something. We well, read a role like, director of football style. Yeah, Just take the academy. Don't spin against our new manager. Three, We're a family club. Three, three, two, three two to Southampton. Well done, Jerry. To you Southampton. Sense. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool Crystal Palace Monday night. Obviously. Oh yes. Yeah, sorry, we've completely missed. I'll the be one. there. Could we've been kind of saying this for the last few weeks that you can kind of take these games in twos in that the Liverpool Crystal Palace match depends on what happens in the Manchester City yeah. Everton match. If Manchester City win that game, I could see Liverpool failing to beat Crystal Palace. If Manchester City drop points, Liverpool are going to win their last two games. 
Uh, I would actually say it the other way. If, really? If City, uh, if City win, then suddenly Liverpool, the pressure becomes too much and they collapse a little bit. Is that what you're saying? No. No. If City drop points, Liverpool are going to win. Yes. I think the pressure has been, by and large, a good thing for Liverpool all season that it's given them a bit of focus. I think the reaction at Anfield when Liverpool went behind last weekend was that a setback was... It was only they were only a goal down at half time. There was no reason why the fans couldn't got behind the team and fought back in the second half. But you just got the sense the second Chelsea scored, all the Liverpool fans turned to each other, much like the Mayo supporters did at Crow Park last <laughs> September when Bernard Brogan got that second goal. We're only three points behind. There's still 15 minutes left. Gone. I knew it. I knew it. I knew we'd mess this up. I knew we'd blow it. And that was the attitude of the Liverpool supporters as well. It's the hope yeah. that killed you. But yeah, but that doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, what the supporter because the supporters turn around and go, "Ah, oh, screw it, we're done." That doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, players, uh, it, players, it, it players, but, the player, but the players aren't in the dressing room at halftime going, "Oh shit, we've just blown the season." I'm pretty sure. certain uh, Stephen Gerrard was sitting in. I just blown my entire career. Hutchin actually said Hutchin has been sort of shooting his mouth off. Actually, a really interesting article that I tweeted a little earlier today, where Hutchin starts out everything with the yeah you know these you know Jay Rodriguez is a really great player but you know well at some point he's going to have a massive big blip in his career and he'll probably never come back from that and he'll be a terrible player for the rest of his career it's an amazing every every comment that he starts out with ends up in this massive negative anyway he talks about Gerard being down in his own words which if I was Stephen Gerard I wouldn't necessarily want uh, Roy Hodgson going and telling the, the world about oh, yeah. I've got the year of Stephen Gerrard and he's been telling me all, he's been coming to me for some counselling this week yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, I, uh, screw you Steve Peters I'm giving Roy Hodgson a shot he's, yeah. a, he's a man I did wonder did he Brendan Rodgers like consider <laughs> taking Stephen Gerrard off during that match because Gerrard's head was gone it was clear well, that his head was gone but I'm wondering was Brendan Rodgers sitting there going I wonder is it just written in the stars then in the last minute I he did, is going to crack one never in from 35 yards I did hear that um, theory alright that you know under normal circumstances you would have taken him up. but like his head is gone it did look like there was a couple of chances there was one chance where the ball is effectively a, a dead ball and normally he curls it into the top corner and this time he just duffed it straight at the keeper that whole like he was having shots from 25 yards like that's the type of thing that traditionally Gerard gets praised for. He took the game with a scruff of the neck and he mm. was trying, but, you know, he was just let down by inferior teammates. The the teammates who... How good was Raheem Sterling at the weekend? Was he the amazing... I thought Raheem country? Sterling was one of Liverpool's better players at the weekend. He how, kept trying to do... Here's Gerard shitting on Raheem Sterling The right again. thing. First, first 10-15 minutes, I thought he was excellent. But after that, I thought, well, I'm not so sure, you know. Isn't he supposed to be the game-breaker? Didn't break the game. Well, there was no space. Well, and don't game breakers create space? Isn't the Marco a great player? He's always in space. I would blame Suarez more for that. Tony, than, I was, Tony, getting, than I was getting to Suarez. Tony Barrett saying that uh, Sterling has brought—he's been the one who's brought Liverpool over the line over the last uh, sort of four or five weeks as yeah. a like eighteen, nineteen-year-old kid. That's bloody impressive. I think you're—I mean, I'm not saying. I know he, he grew into the season. Like the, his touch, control, and passing at one stage. One of the games that I watched was either about a fifteen-minute spell where he couldn't kick it. Kung kicks an awful rope and uh, week after week after week after that when I brought that up <laughs> damned him <laughs> no week after he kept kind of scoring right, right. very important goals dribbling past five players and hitting these defence splitting through balls like alright oh, why didn't you do that the 15 minutes uh, you know Steve Peters listens to this podcast you see and was <laughs> you need to prove this guy wrong over in Ireland um, I, I just I don't know I, I did think Gerard was let down as opposed to uh, being completely gone that he had carried this club for so long and that in his moment of need when well, he needed the club to carry him 
Where did Luis Suarez where did, what and Daniel Sturridge and all these guys go? Joe Allen and, and uh, Lucas. I, I, I felt sympathy for Sturridge because he's coming off the bench and is clearly not at the same level of fitness that he has been when he's been brilliant. And also felt that kind of awful that his, his blood got rid of him. He did do something against the match. He just couldn't get out. So. Uh, Liverpool for me. Yeah. Liverpool going to win the league, John Giles said. On Thursday Night Football with John Giles last night. So available for the podcast and download if you want. Nathan? Liverpool. So it's uh, three Liverpools there, lads. You can take the afternoon off. Consider it a holiday. Thanks uh, very much. But we know. have to spend, spend that should a bit for, for two weeks. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah.